All right, welcome into this week's edition of Next Year, The Detour. My name is Jacob Norling, a fan of the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and I'm not going to get tired of saying that anytime soon. I'm joined by Yankees fan, UCSB graduate, Jimmy Friary, as always. Jimmy, how are we feeling about today, man? First real episode of the offseason. Feeling good, man. Feeling, uh, you know, it, it'll be nice to see what things we can talk about in this off season and, you know, what sort of topics we come up with and ideas, but, you know, as always, you and I got plenty. Um, so yeah, excited for this one, getting into broadcasting, something you and I have a lot of experience in and I'm sure we'll get some good conversations out of it. Yeah. Just like you said, you know, moving on from having live major league baseball to talk about this week, we're talking all about major league broadcasting, what makes a good broadcast, what we just like to hear. And our top four this week is going to be top four favorite major league broadcasters. So stick around, hear all that and more on this week of the detail. man the Dodgers beat the Rays four games to two free agency has started Tony La Russa got hired Tony La Russa got pulled over for a DUI and here we are yeah and I think I think we have our first and only maybe so far free agent signing Robbie Ray uh I guess actually re-signed with the Toronto Blue Jays one year eight million dollars um and I think to date that's the only deal that's been done I don't know if you have any updates but that's the only one that I've seen at least I saw a minor league deal. David Rod, uh, not David, Derek Rodriguez, who is Pudge Rodriguez's son. He was with the Giants. Right. And I didn't know they cut him loose, but he just signed a minor league deal with an invite to spring training with the Rockies. And I feel like that's the kind of thing we're going to see for weeks. Yeah. Like a lot of the kind of fringe major league guys are guys that at least have some sort of major league experience, sign minor league deals, yeah. um, probably with heavy, like incentive laden contracts with. Um, obviously with COVID and MLB losing a ton of money this year and all of that, I bet we'll see a lot of minor league contracts and a lot of like, you know, minimum type contracts, a lot of Robbie Ray type deals, even, you know, a starting pitcher who was, I believe an all-star in the past, a guy who used to be kind of a really coveted arm and a lot of trade uh, proposals one year, $8 million. I mean, that's not really, <laughs> that's not really the market of 2018, 2019, but, who knows? And I think that's why, you know, we're only a week or two in a free agency, but I think that's why everything's been so slow recently as well. Yeah, man. You know, what's funny is we, we could talk about fringe MLB signings literally for a whole episode. So I'm going to guide us in, in the direction of where we're going this week. <laughs> talking about broadcasting this week, because that's one of the things that I know you and me talked about going into the podcast that we were going to really stress upon. And I think the hope was that we were going to have baseball to talk about all the way through October, but since neither of us had ever had like the joyful baseball to talk about all the way through October before, I think that we were prepared to talk about broadcasting much longer ago, but now here we are as the season's closing, getting to talk about, I guess, you know, kind of what makes us tick. Cause I think something that you and I have, I think probably the first thing we bonded over is just our, our knowledge of broadcasting and baseball as a whole is not too many people. I think even in the industry of baseball have as much of an eye or ear for broadcasting as someone like you does. So it's, it's fun to get to talk to you, and I'm, I'm excited to see just kind of what comes out of this is I think we're off the bat going to talk about just professionalism in a broadcast or things that just kind of set the table for what makes a broadcast good and just, I would say, legitimate to the listener. Yeah, I think kind of first and foremost, um, a lot of people, you, you know, you kind of see it on the bottom of the screen whenever you watch a game, but there's two different, like, kinds of broadcasters generally in – any given broadcast, any given game, there's the play-by-play guy and then the color commentary guy. Um, the play-by-play guy, I always say, like, kind of paints the picture, right? And I'm sure you've probably used that saying before as well. Um, that's the guy that's calling the action, the guy that's, you know, talking about each pitch, describing the play in the middle of the play. And then the color commentator is usually like an ex-player type or, or somebody who was involved in the game previously. Um, and they kind of like describe the play after the fact, or, or they'll kind of talk about like the strategy going into a certain play. Um, 
versus again just like describing the play as it's happening so there's two very distinct like roles in a broadcast um and that's a lot more important than than people just might think just by i guess like the naked eye when you're watching a broadcast is um those two roles have to be very distinct or else you'll get a lot of overlap or you know talking over each other in a broadcast and that for me at least sounds really unprofessional is when you get interrupted a lot Mm -hmm. or you know you're being repetitive or anything any sort of thing like that whatever or what thoughts do you have on that yeah i actually have like a, a fun analogy for that i compare it to like a waltz or i guess any kind of partner dance but like like t typically the the male is the one who has to lead it and i compare that to being the play-by-play -play broadcaster and then i'd say that the the, the female dancer is like the, is just ignoring gender roles alongside that has nothing to do with the broadcast yeah. <laughs> it's a person who typically follows and i think like a funnier analogy with it is i feel like for the most part it's more you know never mind i'm gonna skip what i was gonna say there but i feel like the star <laughs> of the broadcast is is supposed to be the the analyst at least in television which we'll talk about but that's uh you know it's the job kind of like basically like a traffic cop if you're the play-by-play -play broadcaster especially on like a a major network broadcast is you need to be you know, describing everything, setting the scene, and then like you said, kind of, you know, drawing the picture. And then I feel like it's the analyst who, who paints the picture. Like, you know, you, you break down what just happened and why it mattered. And then you let the guy who played in the big leagues or somewhere close to that for the most part, just kind of, I don't know, describe to the audience from that, I guess, side of credibility, exactly what just happened. But it's definitely key to have an idea where it's going. If you're the play-by-play -play guy, instead of just winging it, because as much as it's, live and on the fly and the best people are super prepared going into it yeah and to echo your last point um something that i was actually randomly thinking about in the car typical me um is like how much you know in sports anybody who's played sports at really any level a coach probably told you like be prepared for anything right or like prepare for the next play like be ready for the next play kind of just like the mental iq of baseball but any sport is like, all right, if the ball gets hit here, like, what am I going to do? Just like a, a shortstop with a runner at third and one out who's playing in. It's like, all right, if I get, you know, a hard hit ball right at me and the runner does not go, then I'm going to throw a first and get the out. If he does go, I'm throwing home. You know, whatever. If there's a fly ball to left field, like, where am I going to back up? You know, there's so many different things that go into your head for every play. And the same thing goes into broadcasting, right? I think of some of, like, the legendary calls that you've heard before. Like, I guarantee you the broadcaster, unless they're like an absolute legend, like a Vince Scully type or whoever, it's like they thought about, okay, if this guy hits a walk-off home run right here, like what is my call going to be? Or like what options do I have, right? And this is random, not even baseball related, but I was thinking about, uh, I don't know if you watch basketball very much, but like 2010 Kemba Walker for oh, yeah. UConn. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And like, there's no way that you just think of that on the fly, right? Like, while that play is happening and Kemba Walker with 15 seconds left is kind of just dribbling the rest of the clock out to save for the last shot, like, the broadcaster's thinking in his head, like, if he hits a game winner, like, what, what like, catchphrase am I going to use? Like, what options do I have? And this might have even happened before the game. This might have happened at the very least, like, at the start of the fourth quarter. And then he goes, cardiac Kemba does it again because he hit a, a, a game winner, I think, earlier in that tournament as well. It's like, you have to prepare for that. Like, that doesn't just happen yeah. at the snap of your fingers. A light bulb just doesn't go off in the middle of that play. This is what I'm going to call. Like, you prepare for that moment for a long time, right? And that just goes to show you, like, there's so much preparation that goes into a play, a, you know, possession in baseball, an inning, but a whole game and maybe even a whole series sometimes that – the viewers on TV never see, right? Like the viewers on TV don't see the days leading up to Joe Buck calling the World Series, the days leading up to Joe Davis calling opening day for the Dodgers. There's so much time and effort that goes into that that makes those calls possible, but also just as easily like, you know, the 2-1 pitch in the bottom of the second inning as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that I, I kind of want to touch a couple of things that you said because I, I think a big thing that some of my favorite broadcasters stress is – being prepared but never being scripted for the most part like obviously like you know if there's a world series or like a pennant winning call like after the fact what your delivery is can kind of be planned because you have to have an anticipation of that or the or like you said you know having an anticipation if this guy hits a home run or into a double play right now you know where where am i kind of turning the script right here 
but exactly like you said, just to be prepared for anything. Like I think about like what you said, how typically like as a player, you're ready. Like, you know, if I get the ball here, like I'm going to second or you're like, Oh, I got to hit my cutoff, man. If this is in the gap, that kind of thing. But as a broadcaster, like you like, man, there's a million different ways it could go. And I think the best broadcasters are never caught off guard. Like you can be surprised and that kind of, I feel like can sometimes echo the audience's reaction as well, but you cannot ever be, just shell shocked, you know, like you somehow have to be explaining what's going on. Like I think, I think of Joe Buck's call of Brett Phillips walk off. He nailed it. I thought like he, he kind of hung on one, one syllable or two, if we're going to be nitpicky, if you know what, what I'm talking about with a Rosa Rand yeah. on third, but as far as on, on TV, for the most part, I think you can, and we'll talk about this, but you can kind of back out if it's a normal play, like before, like if there's a monster home run, no, no doubt. Or Joe Buck could just say Puig launches, goodbye but a play where there's three different kicked balls like you have to be relaying that and understanding where the runners are and everything because people are watching on tv they're not watching it live in person like you are and to be able to be quick on your feet and be that prepared is something that you have to have some sort of heartbeat to do and it's man like 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 i really do think to some extent it is like a god-given talent but it is definitely something you can just practice with repetition whether like i'm not sure if you ever have like called a game just in your living room or called it like while you're playing video games or something. But I, f- I feel like that's like a, a weirdly like wonderful way to practice things or, or what I do a lot is I look at big plays and highlights. And then I think in my head, like if I were to improve upon this, how would I have delivered it? I'm not sure if you like, what kind of things have you done? Yeah. Well, I just said to go off what you just said, my buddy, Patrick McGlynn, uh, broadcasted some KCSB games, UCSB, UCSB baseball games in 2019 with me. And he used to say, like, yeah, growing up and even now, like, in college, like, I will play MLB The Show and call the game as I'm playing. Like, I'll turn off, like, the broadcaster's noise and I'll call the game, like, that I'm playing as I'm playing it. Um, I've never done that because I really, to be honest, I really never really played video games that much growing up. But I've definitely, like, looked back at calls and like kind of maybe nitpicked what the broadcaster said yeah. and I'm like I'd be like I would have said this or sometimes I'll watch highlights of you know whatever Yankees postseason home run or you know home run against the Red Sox or something and I'll turn the volume down and I'll kind of like whisper to myself like how I would have called it um I know the the last time I did that was uh Gio Urshela's grand slam in game two of the wild card series like I I like watched that highlight a million times just, you know, for fun. But then I watched it at some like different angles and, you know, I tried to watch it from like the perspective of a broadcaster and how I would have called it. And I had at least 10 different calls in my head Mm -hmm. of like that specific home run only, you know? And then, so you go back and watch like any sort of game, uh, you know, I, throughout the whole season, I, I watched a couple of games on mute and I would call them to myself just for fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you kind of have to have like the broadcasting itch to do that, I think, <laughs> because yeah. you're not going to call a baseball game for fun if you don't have any sort of like desire to broadcast personally. So it's fun, though. Like, and I know I've gotten a lot better. And that's just like how you practice, right? Because you can't practice calling a baseball game like otherwise, you know, yeah. so that's that was that's always been fun for me. And that's always something that I've done. Yeah, this is kind of kind of like a random piece of. Like, like no, no one's coming to our podcast for broadcast advice, but I think it's funny to like, I guess, use the term advice is something that Tim Neverett, I, I was like, he's a Dodgers radio broadcaster. And I was lucky enough to actually be in like a zoom call with him during the off season. Actually, I don't think I've told you about that. That's really cool. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was cool, man. He's a cool guy. Um, one of the things he talked about was like sooner or later, and, and it's better to practice it off air rather than on but you kind of just have to let it rip to see where your vocal range is and where it can be in the big moment. So something that I do like just in the car with myself, if I'm on a long drive sometimes is I I think of like my favorite calls and then I try to verbatim deliver them and and to see like in my octave and my tone of voice, like what would that sound like or how would that feel? Cause I, like, I don't know about you if you've ever like let one rip live and it's just like, Oh, my voice doesn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I my voice cracked on a walk-off grand slam that a guy on UCSB hit two <laughs> years ago. And, like, it didn't ruin the call for me, but I was like, dang, like, if my voice just, like, kind of held in that moment, yeah. it would have been perfect, you know? 
Yeah, like, like I, I think like not all of us are blessed to sound like you know Joe Davis. Most, I think most of us are like honestly have more of a voice crack like Joe Buck because I don't know if you if you're aware of this too, but Joe Buck's actually had like vocal cord surgery. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's started to lose it. But honestly, like c- kind of random Joe Buck tangent. It's one of the things that's actually made me really like respect and admire Joe Buck is the fact that he literally like he just physically can't go to certain lengths, but he really doesn't have any shame with that because he will still do his best and when it cracks I kind of think like I mean that's you know like baseball is the human game so I kind of like sometimes that the big moments have kind of a human element from the broadcast standpoint because there's other guys that just don't seem human and it seems like they have operatic voices which I'm sure that will be (laughs) a few minutes yeah and I think that's kind of like another god-given thing like you said is that like voice definitely matters yeah. in broadcasting right like if you have an iconic voice or if you have like i don't know whatever like the the stereotypical like broadcaster voices you know maybe like kind of deep but like you can go really loud but you're like um you're like uh what's the word like just the average pitch voice is also like very calm and like cool i don't know it's it's like hard to describe because we all have like our types you know yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but, but yeah like the guys that have voices like that, it's like they can describe the game in like a bad way. And I would still like enjoy the listen. Right. But then there's guys like Joe Buck who like, if they don't have like the best voice in the world, but say they call a good game, then it's like, that almost makes, like you said, that makes me have like a little bit more respect or it makes me enjoy it like a little bit more because it's like, again, very human. And it's almost like a, like a conversation between like me and them in that way. Like they're, they're telling me the game from like their perspective rather than like some guy with just like an insanely nice voice. And you're just like, I don't know. It's, it's two, two different, I guess, like ways to like digest the game yeah, exactly. in, that, in that standpoint. Like I, I won't name names here, but like there's a specific ESPN announcer that I think has like a, a God given voice, but I just could not care about a word that's coming out of his mouth because it just doesn't seem genuine or it seems like he's trying to teach me his word of the day. And I think exactly like kind of what you said, like, you know, even a guy with voice cracking, if what he's saying is sincere and fun and informative at the end of the day, it's better than the voice of God that just wants you to know how cool he thinks he is. Exactly. Yeah. Like I want to hear a good baseball game. And if you have a cool voice, like that's cool. But if you have a good voice and you don't call a good baseball game, then like, I'm not, I'm not interested. You know, exactly. and I feel like that goes for a lot of things in life, you know, <laughs> like, exactly. like that's an analogy for a lot of things. <laughs> you got to have something to say or no one cares. Right. Um, I know, bef- I know we wanted to touch on differences between TV play by play and radio play by play. And I, I get to start us off by saying like, like, man, I, I think I, I'm going to go back to an analogy we made earlier about like picture painting and drawing and like on a TV broadcast, the picture is kind of already there. And as a broadcaster, you and your analyst kind of just have to paint it in. But on a radio broadcast, like the audience does not have eyes. You know, you have to picture yourself relaying this game to a father and a son, like kind of on the highway and figure out how to, you know, I guess like, you know, find a way to make it visual to them. Like you couldn't just say, you know, Puig launches goodbye. You have to be more specific with like a, you know, fastball up and in and Puig turns on it. High fly ball left field back goes Grisham at the wall. He leaps, he can't get it. That's gone. Like, you know, you have to fill in so many more words. And I think that's something that gets really confusing, especially on the big calls, because I think like the cool broadcast thing, which I think we'll talk about more is to like have the big call and let the moment breathe. But on radio, you have to be very selective about how long you let that moment breathe because too long can become detrimental to the broadcast. What what do you want to add, Jim? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I've always thought TV is so much easier. I've never had the privilege to call a game on TV, but radio's tough, man, because you got to describe everything as best you can, and sometimes that's really hard. I I have no idea how I would call the Brett Phillips walk off on radio. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I have no idea how I, how I would have gone about that, right? Because there's there's little things that go on in every single play that you're not going to be able to describe on radio without like spewing off a hundred a hundred words in two seconds um but tv's cool because you can let the call breathe a lot easier and you can let like the crowd noise get into it and all of that but radio is a little tough because it's like you said like you don't want to let the call breathe too much because then it gets like kind of awkward 
almost, yeah. or you're like, what's happening? <laughs> um, at least on like a, on like a big play. If it's like a down, you know, if it's like a again two one count in the second inning, it's like okay, yeah, you know, who cares? But I've always thought my what I always was taught from Arthur Wilkie. If Arthur Arthur's listening, he was like kind of my like mentor when I first started getting into broadcasting. I'm really thankful for the opportunities he gave me. But KCSB Sports Sports Director 2019. Um, he always said like paint the picture. Like if you're on radio, like you have to describe everything. Yeah, and I really liked uh, who's the Lakers broadcaster right now. I forget his name. Uh, Ireland is his last name. John Ireland, I think. He does a really good job. And this is what I've always picked from him: is basically right at tip off, he'll describe like the uniforms, like the Lakers are wearing their, you know, gold uniforms with like the white lettering and purple trim. And the Blazers are wearing, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so that's something that I kind of adopted into my broadcasts of like, oh, the Gauchos today are wearing like their gold Sunday tops with the white lettering and blue trim and white pants. Everybody on the field's wearing high pants today and they got the blue stirrups with the yellow stripes, you know? And then so like if you're listening from start to finish, like you know exactly what's happening and you can like almost see the game a little bit better. So it's just like kind of minor details like that. Or I always made sure to mention, like, you can see the San Inez Mountains over Cesar Usaka Stadium today. Or, like, you can't. It's a foggy day, you know? So that, I don't know, just, like, little things like that on radio mm-hmm. are crucial, in my opinion, at least, to a broadcast versus on TV. Obviously, you don't need to tell me what color the uniforms are because I can just see it, you know? <laughs> so I think radio has a lot more, like, responsibility to the viewer or to the listener in that case that like I need to know as many minute details as I can interpret, as I can digest versus on TV. It's like kind of just like be the voice in, in the back of my head while I watch, if that makes sense. Like I really do think on, on TV and I think the best ones do this. I, I think for the most part, you can have a very calm conversation. Cause I think especially like in postseason baseball as the TV broadcaster, you know, have it be fun and informative, but you are really there to kind of, you know, lay the score for like a possible iconic moment. So that's kind of what you're there for. You know what I mean? Like you got to be able to have that big moment call. And for the most part, you're kind of just meant to stay out of the way. Yeah. Like, don't, I really like that. Don't get in the, in the way of the game, you know, (laughs) or don't like drown us in your voice, you know, like if it's, again, I keep going back two and count second inning. If it's ball three outside, just, you could literally say like ball three, Mm -hmm. like count runs three, two. Versus on, if you say like fastball away, misses outside, counts now three and one. We'll see what he comes back here and, you know, down the, like blah, blah, blah. Like it's rambling on and it's just kind of like annoying almost. It's like you're just obsessing over that one pitch versus on radio. Like you need that to kind of guide the conversation and guide the flow of the game. One of my favorite, favorite things about Joe Davis is he loves to build the suspension and like sometimes stay silent just to like let it stay high and like don't even let us breathe and I kind of like that like often like late in the game he'll say something like on a 2-2 pitch Hernandez and if it's foul like he, he doesn't even mention that and you kind of just stay on the, your seat knowing that there's still not that next thing to say and, and sometimes he won't even talk in a lengthy at bat until the ball is put in play and I think that's a it's a ballsy talent but it's it's a it's kind of a gift to be able to just know how to balance that because I know I, I don't know how to balance that and I don't think most major league broadcasters know how to do so, but I, I think this is kind of a good point to pivot and kind of mention, you know, like what makes a great call or a great broadcast in your opinion, before we go to the top four. Well, are you talking TV? Are you talking radio? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, you want to do radio? I uh, sure. I'll see. Yeah. A yeah. great call for radio for me, at least is, um, you know, there's a, there's a great account. Again, I'm a Yankee fan. There's a great account that's basically just posts a lot of John Sterling, John Sterling's calls. Who's the radio guy for the Yankees. It's run by John boy, actually. Uh, Cause of course it is. Um, but it basically has like the visual, like the video of the play with the audio from W from WFAN from, from John Sterling's calls. Yeah. And the best ones to me, again, the Gio Urshela one, the grand slam is a good one. Because if you don't have the video with you, if you're not watching the game, you're just listening, which is what it's designed to, to be, you can hear like the rise in his voice as the ball's in the air to left field. Yeah. You know, you can hear like, oh, like something's happening 
while the ball's on its way. It's not like, oh, the ball like lands in the bleachers and then now he gets excited. It's like he gets excited as soon as the ball's hit off the bat. So if I'm listening in my car and I'm just kind of like sitting there and I hear like, and he hits a ball in the air to deep left center. Mm-hmm. Like I know exactly as soon as the ball is hit, like it's going to be at least a double or a grand slam. Like runs are going to score. It's a big play, you know? And he, what he even does sometimes is he actually kind of like pounds the table. And I love when he does that because you can hear the excitement in his voice mm-hmm. or like the excitement just from his mic, you know? Um, or like when you kind of hang on, if there's a ball that's like fair or foul, he kind of like hangs on it. He'll be like, and Hicks like hits one down the line. And it, it like kind of echoes for a second, you know, yeah, like you can tell him, towards the pole. Right. Like you could yeah. tell he's like thinking about like, or he's trying to like wait to see if it's fair or foul or not. Um, and then kind of last thing I'll say about him, I, you know, he's, he's my favorite radio guy. So it uh, makes sense that I'm talking about him a lot, but his call is always like, uh, that ball is high. It is far. It is gone. And he uses that for every single home run or not actually not every single home run, but most home runs, like most no doubters. Right. So as soon as I hear that ball is high, it's like, okay, I know like this ball is on its way over the fence. Right. I'm not like waiting for, you know, and like Bradley goes back, he's on the track, like yeah, leaps at the wall. Like if it's a home run, like I know right away that like Sterling is about to have a home run call. And it's like a long one, if that makes sense. Like it's that ball's high one. It is far two. It is gone three. So it's like there's there's three kind of layers to the home run call. And as soon as I hear the first one, it's like I get excited for the next two, you yeah. know. Or then he'll be like into the visitors bullpen and left center, and then like the detail of like exactly where it landed. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know everything about it is like there's a rise in the voice there's like the signature call which i am a big fan of i know some people aren't mm-hmm. like a signature call so you know exactly like what is going to happen and then three like the detail after the fact of like here's my call one and then after the play is over here's now here's like my detail here's me like describing it what happened yeah so that's that's my that's my like radio call and again i'm obviously biased because because i'm a yankee fan well, you know, what's your TV call? I'm going to be biased, of course, you know, the same way. I was going to say that, I man, it just – it makes me smile hearing you talk about that, man. Like, it just – because I know exactly what you're talking about, like the feeling I get in my stomach. Like, I feel like with good signature calls, I love kind of saying it along with the broadcaster. Like, if I was a Yankees fan listening to the car and I heard, he hits it high, by the time it got to, it's gone. Like, I feel like I'd be yelling it with him. And I feel like that's, that's like, one of the most fun things it could be, you know? Yeah. Like the, he like encourage he like invites you to like feel his excitement in that way. All right. For, um, so for TV, I'm going to use Joe Davis as an example. I'll spoil it. He's my number one. And I feel like anyone that knows me would know that. But, um, the th- like the thing about Joe Davis that I think is just, I don't, it's, it's something I've, I've, I've never heard of this extent. That's kind of why I can only really use him as an example. But I think as a TV broadcaster in the big moments, you don't really have to give a play-by-play. Like the analogy that I used a little bit ago that I really like is that you kind of serve as like the conductor, like the Hans Zimmer to a, to like a, a great movie, you know, Alan Silvestri, John Williams. Like you, you don't really have to explain what the actors or what the players are doing because people can see it with their own eyes. But to be able to have something to say to paint the impact of what's going on, and I guess like the history behind it, like, I guess I'll, I'll have two examples. One is Joe Buck, like of, of game six of the 2011 world series, the David freeze walk off home run, which he paid homage to his father who said, I think it was 20 something, 22 years to the date even was a game six walk off home run to force game seven. His father said, we'll see you tomorrow night. And you know, the Cardinals were Jack Buck's team and David Freeze hits a ball into center and everyone sees that it's a no doubt home run off the back. So like if, if he was to say, you know, fly ball to center back goes Hamilton. I think that call just kind of gets lost in history and people just see it as the home run. But Joe Buck, as the ball leaves the bat, he just says freeze hits one in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night, right? As the ball hits the grass. And that's another big thing that, the great broadcasters do and that I've heard a lot of people talk about is you have to time it on TV specifically. Like the best people can time it with the roar of the crowd. If that makes sense, like to be able to and conclude what you're saying as the winning run scores or like as strike three is happening or as the double play is finishing, but to be able to 
not, you know, miss a syllable or two, like, exactly. I mean, I don't, it's, it's tough to not try to pick on specific people, but you know, there's people that just hang on for a couple syllables after, you know, even maybe a half second after the crowd is already going crazy. And at that point I'm, I, I moved on from that, but to be able to time it perfectly. And there's one specific example when I say like, you don't have to have a play-by-play recollection of what's going on is my, my favorite call probably ever was from just a regular season 2017 Dodgers uh, team. You know, 2017 Dodgers, one of the best teams of the century, of course. And now that they won the World Series, I don't even have to get into why 2017 hurts because it doesn't matter anymore. But the Dodgers, you know, had a miraculous run that summer. And it was night after night, just a different person's turn. I think they had something like 11 walk-offs. And I was actually at this game, so I didn't hear this call until after. And that kind of made it all the more special because one of my favorite things about going to Dodgers games, you know, the last four or five years is when I see a big moment live, I'm kind of curious and I'm anticipating, oh man, what did Joe Davis have to say to that? And I was at a game, Dodgers were down in the ninth inning, you know, it's late, they're rallying one run. I think there's two down at the time. And there's runners on first and second. And there's a full count to Yasiel Puig. So runners are going on the pitch. And I'll, I'll tell you what happens. And, I mean, like, I guess I'll, I'll tell you the call. And I, I think it's magical because you don't even know where the ball went. But you know it's just – it's special. I mean, he, he does say, but he says just, can Yasiel Puig deliver when the pitcher comes set? And then he's quiet. Pitcher delivers. And he says, you bet he can into the gap in left center. And as the runners are hovering around the bases, he's like, it's crazy shot of just guys chasing it in the relay to the plate. And he times it perfectly and says, not a question of if the question is who and when, and tonight it's Puig in the ninth, right? As Austin Barnes slides in and the camera cuts to Yasiel Puig being mobbed by his teammates. And I think somehow to be able to paint the picture of what's going on without just saying Barnes is coming to the plate, it's something I've, I've never seen in broadcasting and something that I would hope to do just once in my life. I don't know if I explained that well. No, you did. It's almost like, like there's like a mystique to the call. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's like, it's like Dodgers magic, you know, like it's, it's like fate that you kind of like leads with that question before the pitch even happens. Yeah. And then as soon as the ball's hit and like nothing like, you know, no runs have scored yet. Like, obviously, they're going to score, but he goes, you bet he can. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, there's like, like, he answered the question that he asked, but then there's like still more to come, right? Like, and it's also, again, like the tone in the voice too. Like, if, if you look at that highlight, I I know exactly what you're talking about. If you go watch that highlight, it's like the tone in his voice is like, uh-oh, like, like, yeah, he did, but like, wait, like the winning run might score now, Yeah, you know? And then again, just with the buildup of like, he's, he's like saying that almost again, it's not scripted, but it sounds like a movie script, you know, like how perfect he delivered kind of that ending. And it's like, he's saying that like before Austin Bards even touches home plate, like you said, you know, it's like, but he's obviously at the same, so you can see and look down and be like, okay, like I'm pretty sure he's going to score. So instead of like, I don't know, calling it like, well, you know, like, is he going to score? Like the play at the plate, whatever, you know, like he's, he's delivering like this beautifully said, almost like monologue, right? Exactly. Like, almost like a speech, like, you know, he's almost like singing, you know, <laughs> like, like there's such good like rhythm to it. And like, obviously the camera work has to be good too. Um, and that play, like you said, it was, and yeah, it, it's just like, it's like magical almost, you know, it's like, like it adds like a romanticism about about the play that wouldn't be there had he described that as like the relay's late or whatever. Man, I just I I could talk about it forever, but I know it's, I'm going to talk about him in a few minutes. So we should just start our, our top four. <laughs> um, top four yeah. major league broadcasters. What's your fourth one, man? Sure. So I got some honorable mentions before I I dive into my four, but. Um, two of them. One is uh, Ryan Ruoco, who's a, a young guy for the Yankees. He does TV sometimes. He does radio. Um, he's actually not even like one of the one of the main guys. He's kind of like the the fill in guy. But he does a great job on TV or on radio. Doesn't really get too much radio opportunities because Sterling is is Iron Man in that in the booth. Um, I think he missed his first game uh, in 2019 
in like 20 years or something like that, or maybe not 20 years. I, I forget. There, there's some sort of crazy stat that he didn't miss a game for X amount of, of years. But anyway, uh, Ryan does a, does a really good job. He's a young guy. I think he's only like in his early 30s. Um, good friends with CeCe Sabathia and just like a really personable broadcaster, which I think is, is really cool too. Like it almost sounds like he's having a conversation with you when you're watching the game. Um, and his voice is just so genuine. Like you can tell that's like his actual voice when he's broadcasting. Um, he doesn't have like a broadcaster's, vo- like a broadcasting voice that he switches on. Um, really, really great guy, really great journalist, really great broadcaster. Um, and then, uh, Joe Buck is actually my other honorable mention. And that's only because the other four guys have kind of like a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Joe Buck, you know, kind of just the quintessential like big game guy. Um, I personally like don't really feel strongly about him one way or the other. Um, he's grown on me in the past couple of years, but he just, when you hear his voice, you know, it's like a big, a big game. And, and I think just associating that with him, like makes him high on my list. Like he could be a, a terrible broadcaster, but just because I like associate his voice with a big game makes it better for me. And I don't think he's a terrible broadcaster, but that's just my kind of, I guess, view of him. It's a little symbolic. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So then diving into my number four, it's John Miller, um, longtime San Francisco Giants uh, radio guy. Um, also did some for ESPN a little bit, d- does some national games every once in a while, a little more back in the day than now. Um, but I really, really like him. I, I like his voice a lot. Like he has one of those kind of God-given voices that we were talking about earlier. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't really know how to describe him other than like his voice, but I always view him, like I randomly listen to Giants games every every once in a while. And like, I almost feel like I'm I'm like in the Bay when I'm listening to his voice. Mm-hmm. Like I associate his voice with like, San Francisco Giants baseball, AT&T Park, like the San Francisco Bay in the background, like just San Francisco as a city. Like to me, he like kind of defines like that city for me. Like when I think of San Francisco, I think of John Miller's voice. And, um, you know, obviously with the Giants championships at the, at the beginning of the 2010, uh, 2010s decade, like, and, you know, hearing some of those calls and uh, the Pablo Sandoval, like, adios, pelota. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't really, like, know how to describe him other than he has, like, that it factor Yeah, for me. No, um, and actually, now that I say this, I want to – last thing I'll say, John Chiambi is another honorable match for me. I really love him. He does a good job for ESPN, probably the only ESPN broadcaster that I like. That's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> a polite way to put it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Like I, I, I would describe like what Meller has as like Vin esque. Like he's just he has like kind of what he's like the magic touch, and like there's there's nothing you can pinpoint to, but like it just seems like there's no, never the wrong word that comes out of that guy's mouth. Like whenever it's funny, like you know, because like when you see highlights of games that like the Giants will beat the Dodgers, like I, I still watch them back sometimes because whether it's him or Kuiper who does the TV, like Kuiper does a really good job too. He's fantastic, yeah. And like, I, I, I don't mind hearing it. You know, like some calls, you can tell. And this will actually go into my top four. But like this, I feel like sometimes broadcasters are too obviously amped up and biased when they play your team. And I know you can relate to being a Yankees fan with that <laughs> a Dodger fandom. Yeah, I like the broadcasters that just get excited for their guys, and it doesn't feel vindictive at all. And that's why my number four is actually uh, – let me make sure I have his name right because I, I've loved this guy for years. I just, like, have never really learned his name because he's not too popular. But it's actually the Rockies television play-by-play voice, Drew Goodman, who has done their games basically since their franchise was born. And for one, he has a great signature call that I actually use on Westmont Broadcasts or did use on Westmont Broadcasts, which is take a good look. You won't see it for long. To me, it's like – it treads the fine line between being corny or being cool. But I think that like the way he delivers it and like the fact that it's Coors field and it kind of fits with the fact that just balls are going to be flying all over the place. Like take a good look. You won't see it for long. And he seems to nail it always like as the ball is landing. And I think that more than anything, like I, I like whenever I watch a random baseball game, the Rockies are you know not very good hardly ever, but, Whenever there's not the Dodgers on, I turn on the Rockies if they're on simply because I like the way he calls the game. And I think the best way to put it is there is just this 
welcoming quality to them. It, it sounds friendly, and I, I love a friendly broadcast. I don't like like I, I can't listen to Arizona Diamondbacks games because like they'll be playing. I don't know the pirates and somehow they'll bash the Dodgers in the middle of it. And I'm like, dude, like just (laughs) enjoy where you're at. Like if you're going to stress about another team forever, like you're going to have a a miserable job. But like there was a huge walk-off home run. Like I'm I'm sure, you know, the the father's day cycle for Nolan Arenado back in 2017 and Mm -hmm. the 2017 Rockies made the postseason. They're a really good team. And he had a, a, a great call at the end of that is Nolan faces. He just says, how about these 2017 or how about this 2017 ball club Rockies fans? And I loved like, I don't know. It just sounded fun. And it sounded like he was genuinely excited and wanted the fan base to realize how cool a moment that was. And I don't know, like there's, there's something about Drew Goodman that I've always just thought like, yeah, like that guy's not the most famous dude in the world, but when there's a, a game on and the Rockies are in it, I'll click on that and I'll listen to his broadcast because I just simply enjoy it. Yeah, like, again, I have to said this earlier, I think, but almost like invites you into the broadcast when he says something like that, you know, yeah. or any Rockies fan that's listening. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's like they're talking to you. And yeah. I think that just makes the game really personable mm-hmm. and like kind of romantic and like kind of, that's why baseball gets passed down through generations, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, my number three, I'm, I'm biased. I talked about him a little bit earlier. John Sterling, uh, the Yankees radio guy, kind of another like godlike voice. Um, I think actually probably every guy on my list has, has that type of voice. But um, I just really love the way he paints the paints the picture of the game. Um, I know a lot of people in New York actually don't like him. It's pretty polarizing. You either kind of love him or hate him. Um, but yeah, I, I really like his descriptions and his kind of like broadcasting fundamentals. Um, like I said, just with the home run call or the description after the fact, you know, like Aaron judge hits one high, hits one far, it is gone, whatever. And then it'll be like to dead center field or into the visitors bullpen and left center or something like that. Or I, I really like the, there's a random call from the London series judge hits a home run to the opposite field. Then he goes into the Boston bullpen and down an entrance way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just, I love that call because in my head, I'm thinking like, if I'm listening on the radio, like what does like the entrance way look like? Or like, where <laughs> is the entrance way? Like, I don't, you know I mean? <laughs> but, but when you watch it on TV and like, you see the highlight back, you go like, Oh, like that's what he meant, you know? And I know on the radio, like you're not going to see that, but it's just the fact that he gives that detail like makes me want to like look up the highlight now, you know, yeah. or the fact that he like says things like that. It's like, Oh, did it hit off like the back of the Boston bullpen? Like did like one of the guys in the bullpen have to get out of the way? Like, I don't know, just, just little details like that. Like make me want to watch the highlight an extra time just to see that. Um, and then, yeah, he just, his kind of like godlike voice. It's some of his home run calls. It, I, I, it sounds like I'm listening to like a, a Babe Ruth world series home run or something like and just because it might be because he's so old, because <laughs> he's like 80 years old. It, it just, it, it sounds like I'm listening to like a historic game every time he, he's on the mic. And you could tell he really loves his job and he really loves the Yankees. And I think that's what makes it better too, kind of like the Rockies guy as well. No, I, I think he, he, he's good because to me, it just, it sounds like I can hear the history of baseball in his voice. Like, especially, you know, with baseball's most iconic franchise, the New York Yankees to have, like, like I would describe him, he's like a living time capsule. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it's cool. Like, exa- it's just, it's, it's vintage. And I think as, as modern as baseball gets and like a majority of my favorite broadcasters are young, I think it's really key to have the, you know, our elder broadcasters need to be good if they're still around and, and John Sterling's still one of the best. My, um, yeah. my number three is, I, I think a sleeper, but a, a guy we've talked about number, my number three is Dan Shulman who does oh, play him. Yeah. Yeah. For the Toronto blue Jays. And he was the guy who did, Sunday night baseball before Matt Vaskersian got his hands on that job. And I, I really don't have a whole lot to go in on him besides the fact that the guy is just really good at his job. Like I think he's about as professional as it gets. And in, for one, he has a, a voice straight out of the opera. It's, it's God given. And he's just a super friendly guy. Like I think one of the things that the national broadcasts get to, wrong is the, the need to like somehow bash both teams at times to feel like it's less biased <laughs> and 
I think Dan Schulman is one of the guys that does a good job of just hyping up both both teams. And also, I think one of the I think I'll put it this way: like the thing that distinguishes him to me between other national broadcasters is that he doesn't make a call about him or overstep his boundaries simply because he's the guy in the chair. I think he calls a Sunday night Dodgers Giants walk off the same that he would call a Blue Jays game. And I think that like mm-hmm. there's something I think just about being transparent and being the same guy night in night out that I really appreciate in a broadcast. And Dan, Dan Schulman to me, every game I've ever heard him call, like he's another one. Like if there's, you know, no Dodgers game on, like typically I'll turn on a Rockies game. But if the Blue Jays are playing, like you know, the Orioles, I'm thinking, man, I, I want to listen to Dan Schulman right now, and, and I'll flip that on, and I, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, like he's just like a, a pro. Like he's just like yeah. solid. You know what I mean? There's nothing really like insane about him. But yeah, like you'll never get a bad call out of him. Like he's always really consistent no matter who he's calling like you said so that's that's another i can't believe i forgot him but yeah he, <laughs> he he's probably another audible message for me too mm-hmm. um my number two now getting a couple dodgers guys um you could probably guess who, who the top two are then just off of that but my number two is joe davis um kind of like a, a very similar to ryan Rocco in in my ass in in my eyes um just like kind of a young guy, like you can you can tell he's going to be in the game for a really long time just because of how good he is. Um, but also just a guy who gives you, like not in the calls aside, like some of like his little insights or like the little like mini stories that he'll tell or um, it, it's almost like he's like a journalist too. It's almost like he covers the team like in, in that way. Um, and you almost feel like you – know him or like the players that he's talking about personally yeah like he he just really makes the game really easily digestible like from a from a player standpoint from like a personal standpoint um and then also to like his his calls um like the the big time calls obviously um i know something that i really like that gets slept on is the mookie robbing freddie freeman in Mm. game six game Seven. seven i don't know which seven yeah yeah, well, it had to be game seven. Yeah, because it was the only game in the NLCS he called. Um, but, yeah, like, it starts off like, – I don't even remember what the end was. Mookie robbed Freeman of a home run. I don't remember what that call was. But just the beginning where he goes – and, like, Freeman hits one way up there. It looks like Betts didn't see that first. And then you, you can kind of hear, like – the wall. Yeah, yeah. But, like, just the beginning of, like, he hits one way up there. Like, just kind of the emphasis on the way. Like, I don't know, again, like little things, that's, that's kind of my like kink, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like you can tell it, it's not just like a high fly ball. Like it's like way up there. Like it's a little different. And then when he goes like, it looks like best didn't see it at first as Mookie's like kind of like drifting back, like scaling up the wall. And then at the end of that, like, looks like best didn't see it at first. You can kind of hear like the rise in the tone. Yeah. You know, like it was just to me, like such a perfect call. Um, and yeah, like for him, like he doesn't need, like a walk-off or like a, a you know, go-ahead home run in the ninth inning to deliver like a call like that. Like he'll deliver calls like that on home run robberies, on like, you know, uh, head first slide in the home, on, you know, bang, bang, play at first. Like any sort of moment that's like a cool play, like he really, really gets into it. And that's what I really like is like any inning of any game, he can give you like a big-time call like that. And his voice just completes it too. Yeah. The, uh, the the end of that, that Mookie call was the Mookie Betts putting his stamp all over the NLCS defensively. Like, they, it gives me chills. And the cool thing is now that they've won, like, that's going to give me chills for the rest of my life. And, like, fr- from that game, the and this kind of goes with what I mean, is just not having to call the fact that the ball is going to land for a home run. But Cody Bellinger's pennant-winning home run that he says, like, is Hernandez tied the game earlier on the eighth pitch of a lengthy at-bat. And he said, uh, eighth pitch has been the magic number tonight. This time he hits one in the air to right field. Cody Bellinger has done it. And the Dodgers lead in game seven. Like, even a blind man who wasn't listening to the radio could hear that and be like, oh, that ball's way out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so cool. More on him in a second. My, uh, my number two is Joe Buck. And I, I think for no re- other reason than the fact that he has been the voice of – every big moment of my entire life of baseball pretty much. And I don't think that he's done a bad job. Like, you know, at times there's been 
worthy critique and it's been valid, but also I think he's gotten better with age. And I, I think Definitely. one of my things is I've also, like I've read his autobiography where he talks about his relationship with his dad and just his life in broadcasting. And like, he even like opens up about like his divorce and his relationship with his kids. And he's just, I don't know, he's unafraid to, I guess, show the world who he is. And it seems like everybody in the sports world does have a very polarizing opinion of Joe Buck. I listen to his podcast too. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I, I root for the human being. And because of that, like, I, I really want to like his calls. Like, I don't think he nailed everything. Like, I don't think this is even one of his best postseasons, but I think in years past, he has really stepped up to the table. And, and like, I think one of the things that I would have felt FOMO on is if I would have gone through my life without hearing Joe Buck call a Dodgers World Series, but the fact that I now have Joe Buck, like, in my memory forever saying, that strike three, Dodgers have won it all in 2020. Like, I feel like I can finally, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I'm now a member of, like, the Joe, De- I mean, the Joe Buck, like, <laughs> I guess, like, highlight reel. Like, you know, like, I'm sure that when he retires, they are going to put together, like, man, like, the, all of Joe Buck's, you know, 27 or 28 World Series calls and the fact that, like, I have one that I could now be happy about. I think that one might be a little recency bias, but just when I think of, the Cubs winning it all and like the Red Sox first title or like the Yankees are back on top in 09. I think that for how many different calls this guy's had to have, although some of them shrink together, I think that he's been one of baseball's great consistencies of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I just think it's really cool. Like I, I really like watching back the 2001 world series Yankees versus uh, diamondbacks. A lot of big moments in those games and like hearing his voice in 2001, I've been like still hearing it now in 2020 and like, he's not that old. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's just cool. And it's, it's cool. Like listening to guys like kind of eclipse eras of baseball history like that. You know what I mean? And like still having like, you know, the guy has a big call in 2001 could also have big calls in 2020. It's like, I don't know. And I think we're going to hear that a lot from, from Joe Davis, <laughs> like, which is, which is, I'm sure you're going to talk about it in a second. Um, but then my number one, I, I know this guy's retired, but I, I had to include him on this list somehow. Vince Scully, um, just the go of, of broadcasting of any sport, really. And I mean, I could talk about him for hours, but I think my most like notable thing about Vin is that one, how beloved he is by the whole organization and fan base, which goes to show you like how symbolic he is and representative he is of the Dodgers. Um, going back to the Brooklyn Brooklyn taste in the fifties for one, um, but also too like he he did radio and TV at the same time by himself. Like, how do you do? Like, <laughs> like again, only only people like you and I who have done broadcasting before know how difficult that is, and how talented and like conf- confident and comfortable you have to be to be able to like call a game enough to where like it sounds crisp on the radio, but like not too much. So it sounds like you're over explaining on TV and to balance that all by yourself is just like, I don't know how anybody could ever do that like in itself, but two as well as he did. And then three third, third and last thing I'll say about that is just like also like kind of just the voice of the baseball gods, like Mm. especially in his later years, you know, just, and the stories that he would tell and just the way that again, like kind of, kind of Joe Davis, like in the fact where Davis could have any play be like a really cool call on a big play. Like Vince Scully could tell you a story in the third inning of a game in, in mid April. And it would be just like, must listen to audio or must watch TV or, you know, whatever, whatever situation it was like any, any day you could hear a story from Vince Scully that would just like touch you in a way that, like you've never felt a baseball story before. And, and I think that's what, what makes him great in any of the greats, you know, on, on kind of like their pedestals is that any sort of time you can get like a big call or a big story or something that just connects you to the game in a different way that you, that you had to be connected with before. That's such a, man, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it. Cause I, like I, we, uh, we texted about this before. Like I, I was just doing my ranking of current broadcasters and I felt like I almost did that simply because there is no ranking for Vince Scully. Like he is the greatest broadcaster of any sport to ever live and that likely ever will live, you know, we'll, we'll see. But like, man, he was just like, like I, I joke with people, I consider him my grandpa and like I, I learned more about life and not just baseball, but really just like 
the meaning of life in general, just listening to Vince Scully all the way through the time I was 18 years old. And I think that like something that you said that I kind of wanted to talk about, just like making you feel a certain way about baseball that you didn't know you could like Vince Scully brought me to tears when I was 14 years old. I, I, I'm not sure if I've actually told you this story, but like I, I've, I've told this a few times. He's like Vince Scully is Loki. One of the reasons I became an English major because in 2012, the Dodgers were going on like a crazy September run trying to make the playoffs and it's game 161 on the penultimate night of the season. And they're chasing the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cardinals lost. So the Dodgers would be one game back on the last night of the season if they were to win this game. And it's the Giants and the Dodgers and it's the bottom of the ninth. D Gordon's on second. There's two down. There's a two, two count and Mark Ellis, the Dodgers second baseman at the time fouls one back and Vince Scully says, the screws turn a little bit tighter. What's that quote <laughs> the great Dylan Thomas? Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Well, that's where we are. And, like, I think even before in <laughs> play, like, I'm, like, choking on tears. And I'm like, God, where am I? Like, it, it was cerebral, man. And, like, it was crazy. And, like, like there's a line drive to center field. And, Angel Bagan makes a really nice run and catch and the Dodgers season is over and it was tragic. And I think it was even more tragic because the Dodgers are raging against the dying of the light and they're they're trying just to keep on living and they fail. And I think that Vince Scully is the only person that could make that just such a, like a lifelong memory. I think I'll have like, who else is going to do that and have it be successful without it sounding corny, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah like say a poem <laughs> yeah ah, man yeah but um I'm, i'll move to my number one now man I, I i love vin and i'm so happy that he's stuck around long enough to see the dodgers won it all like that was something really cool that joe buck did with two outs in the ninth inning was he paid homage to vin scully and that's uh that's a really cool highlight for dodgers fans but yeah moving to my number one very obviously is joe davis because as, as i said you know vin scully is the best ever and likely will be the best ever. I think if there is, it's a weird thing to say, like so early in a guy's career, but I really think Joe Davis might be the best ever when it's all said and done. Like this guy is in the last four years, man, like he's just, he's incredible. Like, and I listened to Vince Scully my whole life, but there's something different about Joe Davis. Like, and I think that the thing is besides of how great he is, he is so personable and he is so friendly. And this guy has debatably the coolest, I'd say not even debatably, given that he's succeeding Vince Scully, like I think that is broadcasting's most prestigious job, being the play-by-play man of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, that's crazy, man. Like, only the best ever has done that. And this guy has come and run with it, and he's already leaving his own legacy. And I think that, like, the reason I'll have him as my number one is just to mention how friendly he's been, like, to me in particular. Like, he's super active on on Twitter and – I'll ask questions and I'll, I'll say things, I'll comment, he'll like, he'll say things back. And like, he does that with so many people, you know, but I was at the NLCS in 2017. This is only his first full year on the job, but like I, I idolize this guy already because of how great a job he'd done during the regular season. And I always get super early to games. So I get there and I, I see uh, Joe Davis doing an interview down the third base line. And I'm like, dang. So like I, I go sneak behind the dugout seats and I'm just waiting, hoping that I can have like a meet and greet with Joe Davis. And I see Joe Davis look over to me and like have like a, a warm, friendly smile as he's continuing his interview. And I'm like, Oh, that was, that was cool. Just getting a smile from Joe Davis. And then I was trying to think of how I was going to politely get his attention without sounding like a crazy fan after, but like I was super nervous. So he, he ends his interview. He takes off his equipment and he immediately without even like blinking an eye just starts walking towards me. And I'm like, you know, like, Holy shit. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, Oh my God, that's Joe Davis. <laughs> and he comes over and like, I, I, I get up and somehow like I act cool enough to shake his hand. And I say, ah, I'm, I'm Jacob. And he says, yeah, your last name's Norling. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we've, we've met on, on Twitter, I believe. And I was like, yeah, that's me. And then I, I, he just sat there and talked to me for about five minutes. And I just mentioned how, like, like because of him, like I realized I wanted to be a broadcaster. And he just talked about how cool that was and how much he, he appreciated that. And then he mentioned a few times, like, you know, make, make sure to stay in touch. You know, as you chase it, it's, 
It's the coolest job in the world. Make sure to stay in touch. And I was like, holy crap, man. And like one more thing, like as far as this year, like it's, it's been three years now. And one of Joe Davis's really cool calls in regards to how good the Dodgers have been is he's used, he used it back in 2018. He says to beat the champ, you got to knock him out. And, you know, the Dodgers metaphorically being the champ. And that was two years ago in like a Diamondbacks game. And I tweeted at him about an hour before first pitch of a Dodgers Padres game. I actually don't think I told you this, but I, I tweeted at him like, man, doesn't tonight feel like a, to beat the champ, you got to knock him out type of night. And he, he liked the tweet and in his open, he did his whole thing. And he said, the Padres are knocking on the door, but to beat the champ, you got to knock him out. And I, and I, I literally went, yo, <laughs> and like, I, I, I'm sure that it would have found its way into his head, but to think that me kind of poking him and reminding him and him liking it to let me know, like, I agree. And then having it in his open, like, like that guy is as close to like a hero and like, just like, I think the coolest role model you could have, like a great husband, a great father, and just one hell of a broadcaster and just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. That's awesome, man. I, you know, you show me the pictures of that one day you met him, but you, actually you never told me that specific story. I think we always kind of like, like we always kind of like tiptoed around it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that, right. It's like it's like it's kind of a vulnerable story, you know, about like a a, a grown man kind of meeting a hero. It's it, it was heavy. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool though. How he like rec- one recognized you, but two like had the time to come up to you and like just be so genuine and personable. And again, like that's that's the same as he is on his broadcast. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he he's not like like a rude, arrogant like a hole off set or like yeah. off the mic as he is when, when he's not on the mic, you know, like he's, he's the same guy on the mic as he is off the mic and he'll talk to fans and he'll recognize people and he pays attention on Twitter, but he's also like an excellent broadcaster, you know, like nothing is like too much for him. And I think also to kind of the second part of what you said, just the fact that he liked your tweet and then said it, it's like, he like picks and chooses from, everything you know what i mean like nothing is is a bad take or a bad saying if like no matter where it comes from you know what i mean like he's not he's not too like big or too like arrogant to like use something that somebody says on twitter on in his broadcast if it sounds cool like he's gonna go with it you know and he's he's not too yeah i I can't think of another word other than like arrogant but he's not too proud i guess would be a good word to like use something that he didn't come up with himself yeah, and, and that's that's actually what I was gonna say is like it, it that like that that's the kind of thing that makes me feel like I don't know, I get I guess hopeful for like my, my own endeavors with this is you know, whether or not he was already planning on that in his open, like I kinda read the room and I thought, man, this would be a great way if I was giving the open to describe tonight's ball game and for Joe Davis to think the same thing and use it that made me think like I'm watching the right guy and like maybe maybe I have I have a read on the game enough to maybe get paid a few dollars to talk about it. Yeah, like you and him have the same ideas <laughs> going on. Not a bad thing. Exactly. Man, dude, like it's it's been fun to talk about baseball, but man, like broadcasting is the I think the coolest job in the world because as a hitter, you can fail 70% of the time and that's stressful, but as a broadcaster, you can just be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You could bat a thousand pretty much. Exactly. What uh yeah, how do you, how do you want to close it out, man? Any finishing thoughts? No, I'm good. I mean, we we went pretty deep. I think I don't think we're expecting to talk this this much in depth, but uh, yeah, I mean, what you just said, like broadcasting, is so fun, and it's for me at least personally, it's a way that I kind of stayed in the game, and it's yeah. opened up a lot of opportunities for me that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And for me, it's really more of like a hobby than it is like a potential job, as opposed to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just made my again, like I use this word a lot, like digestion, my like interpretation of baseball just added a lot more layers to it and just made it so much more fun too. And and I think once you kind of can appreciate like good calls and can appreciate like good voices, good broadcasters, good plays, it's like, I don't know. It it just adds to your love for the game and your appreciation for the game as a whole. Yeah, man. I think, I think now that we've kind of laid the groundwork on a conversation for broadcasting, it'd be really fun in the next few weeks to talk about, the role it plays in our lives. So I, I think that'll be, that'd be something fun to go into. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we got, we got plenty of things to talk about until whatever late March. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
All right, man. Well, tell us uh, where, you, where we can find you online before we head out of here. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Friary. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Norling, I believe. Maybe at Jacob.Norling. Look at my name. You'll find it. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, also on Spotify. And you can follow the podcast page at Next Year Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for joining, joining us this week. I believe next week we'll have a pretty cool interview to talk about, and we'll be advertising that and more in the coming few days. But for now, alongside... Jimmy Friary, I'm Jacob Norland, wishing you a re- very pleasant rest of your week, wherever you may.